0: Of all forms of media, podcasts are my favourite. I love the fact that there is a wealth of talent online, innovative people producing podcasts that are fascinating, helpful, thoughtful, even provocative. I listen to podcasts more than I watch TV, listen to radio or read. I learn so much from listening to podcasts, whether it's how to tackle a problem or a fascinating way of thinking about something. The only problem is that when I wanna go back and listen again, I've often forgotten exactly where I found it. That's why I'm excited to let you know about Sparks, a new podcast app that helps you learn, retain and apply knowledge from your listening. On the Sparks app, you can follow your favourite podcasts, listen to new and past episodes, but also remember what you've heard on them you just hit a button to capture a thought or an inspiration even better the app then tags the right spot in the podcast episode so that you can easily find the context again sparks has just launched in open beta on ios and are asking avid podcast listeners and early adopters to join them and help shape the future of learning through podcasts so if this appeals to you go to sparksappio forward slash the parenthood and join the beta now This is a conversation I've wanted to have for a really, really long time. Is it possible to be a green parent or is it an oxymoron? Because I just feel, I mean, listen, we'll talk about this later, but having children is probably one of the most environmentally terrible things <laughs> we can do. But it's actually more than everything that goes with it. I mean, I remember looking at, you know, how much rubbish I generated before I had children and it seemed to triple after I had children.
1: I think there's definitely more. Um, I mean, let's start by saying I've only just got an eight-month-old baby. So I've but you sort of in the middle of come. the worth of it. <laughs> yeah yes and I think even in pregnancy as well I was very much aware of sort of how much stuff I was throwing away through I don't know every every trip to the midwife's office um you know sort of more sort of urine samples and all that jazz so at one point I was trying to like reuse my urine (laughs) sample pot (laughs) but by the end of it I was like did they accept that they did actually and apparently it's a practice I think they used to do a lot of it was considered the norm until not that long ago actually I don't know how many years but not too long ago um you know, people were encouraged to to reuse it. And, and now they chuck only, yeah, away everything chuck in the hospital. Yeah. Like forceps,
0: metal yeah. objects, they chuck them after every time.
1: Yeah, and even the other day I was talking to my dentist and she said, you know, they get extra, not points, but sort of... Recognition for using disposables because it's seen as sort of yeah. it is more hygienic yeah. and you know it's safer and, and all that jazz but I think the whole world of, of medicine is probably one of the few areas where plastic is really really crucial in some respects but the original question yes. was <laughs> can you be an eco or green parent and I think yes but I don't think you have to be a sort of perfectionist about any of this stuff I think we have a real tendency to think well I can't be perfect so what's the point of even trying Mm -hmm. my message I like to think is that you know do what suits your lifestyle and actually you might really enjoy it I think there's so much sort of guilting people into doing things and you know you should do this for the planet and how dare you do that because it's really harmful to the planet and actually I've found personally since just simply managing the amount of waste that we get rid of on a, on a weekly basis I've actually really enjoyed some of the new habits that I've had to adopt in order to reduce waste and I would definitely say my life is generally richer and more enjoyable and that's before I became a parent and, and now I'm definitely I was really keen to try things like reusable nappies and, and cloth wipes and stuff but part of me a little voice in the back of my head was like if it doesn't work for you that's okay we'll figure something out and you know maybe you can do something in a different area relating to babies and waste but actually honestly I love using cloth nappies and it hasn't felt like a compromise at all so maybe that's just me my weird personality
0: because nappies (laughs) really enjoy reusables that's what I, I I think that's what kind of the impression that I got the nappies are kind of the worst because they're huge yeah. and I heard somewhere I don't know if it's true that nappies form the majority of landfill
1: oh that's an interesting stat that it, you know wouldn't surprise me I think you know think about how many people have children and how many of them would have just thrown away I don't know eight nine ten maybe more nappies I a I think with
0: the first babies you know up to 15 a day and yeah. maybe that's the first step that if you, if you can't get your head around using the, the uh, reusable nappies yeah. the washable nappies that you think well do I really need to change that nappy because i'm always surprised with the disposables you can put a whole cup of water in them and they'll still feel dry oh, to the touch because really? they're so absorbent so i guess you know using them isn't great but if you are using them just trying to use fewer of them yeah. as long as your baby's not got nappy rash yeah. then that's kind of fine and of course you know, there's a conflict there isn't it it's in you know the nappy company's best interest for you yeah. to buy as many packs as possible yeah that's so i noticed true. that you know some of them have like a little like a little line that turns a different color when uh-huh. there's any moisture in the nappy well obviously babies they don't like hold all their wee and then empty their bladder <laughs> they're constantly peeing they're yeah. peeing probably every you know 20 minutes yeah. or so but tiny minuscule amounts so yeah. then that thing goes blue and you think oh oh <gasps> i must change my nappy and then so that's what you've gone through 15 in a day when that's you didn't so you could have maybe had five
1: yeah whereas and with reusables you can actually sort of Feel when they're properly wet yeah. and that they need changing. So I'd say we go through six a day, maybe something like that. And I always think that people are a bit scared of the whole issue with, you know, a dirty nappy. But, you know, if... if you got a little bit of poo on your child's clothing would you throw that away or would you wash it mm. you wash it most likely I, th- yeah. I like to
0: think most people would just pop it in the washing machine and yeah. give it a wash listen i'm gonna hold my hand up and there were times where the like the punami happened oh. <laughs> and the whole baby grow was just like full of orange poo and i was like you know what? I'm going like to let that. this outfit go. I mean, this was also <laughs> 10 years ago, so maybe I feel slightly different about it yeah. nowadays. <laughs> but there was something about that kind of, you have to make your life as easy as possible in some situations. If you're having a really rubbish day and you're so tearful and you just think, I can't yeah. face it, I, I Chuck it and we'll get something new. I mean, if that makes you feel better, then I guess occasionally.
1: Exactly. And I think, again, it doesn't have to be about this whole perfection ideal of I must only use reusable nappies. I was interestingly reading the Nappy Lady website the other day because I like to geek out on these things sometimes. And she had a quote on there from I think it was an old parenting book or something that said, you know, Perhaps only use disposables during the day and and reusables at night for, because they're more comfortable and absorbent. And that's almost the reverse of what we think now. We sort of think, oh, disposables are more absorbent and more comfortable. But in this book, it was seen as maybe because disposables were so new and people didn't fully understand them. But reusables were seen as the sort of more more absorbent, more comfortable option.
0: Well, they probably were. Yeah. At the beginning.
1: And also, she said something. I, I think it was that the. Poonamis were a lot less likely to happen in reusables. Hmm. Perhaps, I don't know if they fit tighter. I don't know.
0: Yeah, (laughs) And so for those who are a little bit worried about the idea of using reusables, how does it work because i know there are lots of different types of reusables aren't there there are i mean you talked about cloth nappies but there are kind of cotton nappies that have kind of liners that you can chuck away which means that you're chucking away the sort of bulk of the poo yeah and then you're washing the majority so instead of chucking away whole nappy you're actually just chucking away like a sort of less than a sort of sanitary pad isn't it
1: i think it's a tiny sort of insert i haven't used those personally i think the whole world of reusable nappies is, is can be quite overwhelming in the early days and especially during pregnancy when you're mind just kind of going off in all different tangents <laughs> I you know I was like where do I start there are there are two-part systems there are all-in-ones there are sort of pre-folds and I just was just like oh my gosh I have no idea what I'm doing so in the end I just sort of browsed and saw one that looked nice and I liked that it was made from like organic cotton and I thought that's a nappy I think I can understand but I feel like there are different ones to suit people different people's personalities or lifestyles so I, I, I think you can even trial them beforehand from like i think councils offer a sort of free trial of reusable nappies and you get discounts if you then go on to buy them so that's something worth looking into if you are considering it and you're you're a little bit hesitant you're like oh should i give this a go well maybe your local council it's has an that.
0: expensive investment to initially isn't it up front it is yeah
1: and i think it depends on the type of nappy that you go for as well so if you go for a super super lovely nappy which i did because i was like i'm going to be using these almost every day well Definitely every day, <laughs> several times a day. So I may as well invest in some that I'm actually excited to use. But I think the overall cost of from potty to toddlerhood, it actually works out a lot less in some of studies, I don't and, studies what, and
0: what would you say you spent initially on oh, what's the initial gosh. outlay I think
1: I really treated I definitely bought too many things in the, <laughs> in the early days I want to say around 700 pounds but I know you can do for 400 or 300 really but yeah. that's
0: still a lot isn't it yeah how many nappies do you need I mean
1: this is the thing I think I bought a, perhaps a few too many in to begin with we went for about 30 nappies I think
0: and do you yeah I mean do you if you were to do it again now would you still buy 30 I'd
1: go for 20
0: or 22 (laughs) yeah and and are they then do they fit you till your child is potty trained yeah because obviously with the whole potty training thing it's not like you sort of say goodbye to nappies in one on one day yeah you often then will you your child will have nappies at night when they're still they pee in their sleep and so certainly from my experience it was sort of potty trained at two and then it was more like two and a half three even where they then didn't wear any nighttime nappies anymore so they're
1: designed to fit basically from birth all the Mm -hmm. way up to that uh, a lot of them are some of them do have different sizes so if you feel like it doesn't quite fit you can choose a brand that has different sizes but yeah and and interestingly i have read i mean i'm still very new to this whole parent games so <laughs> a lot of it is stuff that i read. Eight months i, I think know. you're like it's eight months full study huh? <laughs> i think that's uh <laughs> you can graduate to the next level now <laughs> um because the child can actually feel when they've got you know had a pee it actually is wet the likelihood of toilet training is is perhaps a little earlier i've Mm -hmm. heard in some cases Mm -hmm. every child's different Um, i can
0: absolutely believe that i remember telling a a friend of mine telling me his child is a bit older than mine she said when you want to potty train them just uh, switch to like the worst nappy the cheapest nappy (laughs) because they're less absorbent so the child's like ew Ew. i don't like this (laughs) instead of like your kind of super luxy super (laughs) absorbent one absorbent for days (laughs) and you know that also i mean even if you are using disposable nappies thinking well can I potty train a little bit sooner yeah because think about the amount of nappies you use in two months yeah so even if it's just two months earlier you're making a difference that's a really great
1: point actually yeah I think we so focus on like the actual item of it being reusable but actually if you can start a little earlier and some it depends on again on the child if they're ready and you think it's it's going to be okay, then
0: go for it. Yeah, I mean, some children, you know, can be potty trained be- well before two. Yeah. Just so that I understand, I mean, if I wrapped cloth around me and peed, mm. it would be wet outside. Yes. Yes. How does that work? Does it? Do they get soggy? So you pick up your child and you're
1: like, oh, yes, you definitely have peed. <laughs> Again, there are different levels of how eco you want to go. Uh, most of them have a sort of reusable plastic outer that you just pull up over the
0: top. Okay, like sort of over of pants, like exactly. bloomers or something. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or you can do what I
0: do and use a wool soaker,
1: which is <laughs> made of wool. So wool is naturally water resistant because of the lanolin in it. So
0: untreated wool.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't sort of seep through as if it was just a normal piece of material. So that contains any moisture for, I don't know, several hours. And then eventually you would start to feel a bit of dampness, but they work really well for us. Sort
0: of and do you use them throughout the night? So yeah. change an nappy at seven and yeah. then seven o'clock the next morning, that's okay So I have
1: done that a couple of times, yeah. And I checked with my mum who used, turns out she used reusables on, on myself and my brother. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea until recently. And um, she was like, you know, is this, you know I, I thought it was fine just to go all night. You know, you were warm. It was okay.
0: Well, actually, if you look at the population of the entire world, probably yeah. more people use reusables yeah. because that's the only available option. Yeah, exactly. Rather than In the
1: early days, though, before we changed, chosen which nappy we were going to use I was on YouTube looking at how to do like how to fold different <laughs> different folds to suit like boys or girls and you know proper old school Terry nappy style but we decided not to do that so you can't that's a really cost effective way of doing it actually if you get muslin squares watch a few videos or find a, a diagram that shows you how to fold them and I do it occasionally for when we're just at home and I, maybe he doesn't want such a bulky nappy on when we're at home I'll just sort of fold <laughs> a little muslin square into a nappy and clip it around and yeah, it seems quite happy.
0: I mean, we have on the bump class, we have sometimes, I, we always do a thing for the dads and go, right, you know, we're going to do nappies and actually the... The, the really thought behind it is get involved in nappies because yeah. if you don't get involved then you're missing out not just on cleaning poo off your child's na- at bottom but actually <laughs> it's a massive like time in their life yeah. because they're very engaged and interactive and it's often the time when you get the most smiles and yes. the giggles and the, and if you're like I'm not doing nappies and you miss out on that whole thing but we'll I always see these experience. guys who are like okay but how do we do it and we we demonstrate with the disposable nappies and they're like no but do it again so the idea of being like right this is how you're going to fold it <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I, I made the mistake of showing that video to my husband who's like, what? What are we doing? (laughs) Um, And then I checked myself. I was like, actually, yeah, maybe that would be a bit too much. So we went for some, they're already shaped. They look just like regular nappies, but they're just made of of
0: organic coffee. And do they velcro together?
1: No, they popper together. So they've oh, got great. little popper snaps on them. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's no trouble. My my mom has started using them lately when she's sort of helped me when she's popped over and helped look after our little boy. She's like, oh, that's so great. She quite enjoys <laughs> it now. <laughs> Your mom actually started using them. <laughs> oh yeah, not on yeah. herself, by yeah. the way. I'd like to clarify that. <laughs> no, when she was helping me do nappy changes at home.
0: Um, I mean, a lot of people use they they feel guilty about the the disposable nappies they never how bad they are and they think well biodegradable nappies that's Mm. an option because if they biodegrade then their footprint is zero how do you feel about those
1: torn in some ways so i always feel like it's not the the nappy that's the issue so much it's the system based around the nappy so if it's compostable or biodegradable it'd be fantastic to have a collection or a system where those were taken to somewhere to be industrially composted but we don't really have that so we're still sending them off either to the incinerator or to landfill where they likely don't actually break down because, I mean, they found things like newspapers in landfill from like, you know, 50 years ago
0: (laughs) because they haven't broken down. And And yet if you put a newspaper in a wood where there's, you know, rain and water and oxygen and it's broken down in what, a week or so?
1: Yeah, you need like light, you need air to help break things down. And in landfill conditions, it's actually sort of you don't really get any of that. I don't know how much they would break down. And then if they break down very, very slowly, they can start sort of off gas. And I just, I think it's a great idea. And I would love to see somebody go, okay, well, we'll also take responsibility for the end of life of that product. So we've made it with better materials, for example. You know, we've really thought about it being plastic free. But, you know, how can we help you deal with it at the end? And I do think in places like America, you have those sorts of, services available where you can get your compostable nappies actually composted by a service and another option is to not hire them yeah to hire them so you can have a a nappy service they basically do all the the laundering and everything and they just drop off fresh nappies oh this is the
0: reusable nappies yeah Yeah. that's
1: if you wanted to do that there's a sort of you can't face doing it yourself
0: yeah but, yeah yeah and and back to the biodegradable nappies so am i under my is my understanding that if you're using biodegradable nappies which are significantly more expensive than the yeah. disposables and then putting them in a plastic nappy bag or even then a sort of starch-based nappy bag and then chucking them in your bin and letting the dustman come and collect it that's no better than using a disposable
1: no better end of life i imagine what they're made of might actually be a slightly better material as in it's not made from oil drilled from the ground it'll be made from sugarcane waste or something i don't know is the honest answer i think if you look at the whole picture it might be slightly better but
0: that's a really important point we do need to look at the whole picture you know if we care about the environment it's not just about the cost to us it's the cost of generating that thing having it delivered to us but then what happens when we no longer need it
1: yeah exactly and that's it's a really interesting point I don't think many people think to look at the whole sort of life cycle of from actual start of production of the materials the raw materials all the way through to what happens to it at the very end does it go to landfill is it incinerated
0: is it going to go in your compost and be so, say so you live in the country and you've got your own compost heap could you just chuck your body <laughs> um i don't know if
1: i'd recommend that um I, I guess with things like poo and such things it can be you know potentially dangerous i don't know i that's and that's an area i would probably geek out on if i lived in the country and i was like oh could i could i biodegrade this at home um, um but yeah, I, I don't know. If if one if you're out there and you want to give it a go and <laughs> let us know how that goes.
0: But yeah. You mentioned in your book that you paddleboarded down the Thames, I think. Yeah. And you just were really overwhelmed by the amount of wipes you saw floating in the Thames. Because yeah. a lot of people do flush them down the loo and some of them say they are flushable. Yeah. But they're often not, are they?
1: No, I think that's a marketing thing that people have come up with just to get you to by certain type of wipes and go. These ones are flushable. It's great. No, they're not really flushable. I think most water companies really, really advise do not flush them, even if it says it's a flushable wipe. Please do not uh, flush them. And yeah, it was quite shocking actually. A friend of mine invited me to go stand up paddleboarding down the uh, Thames, and we started to pick up bits of litter along the way. And it was quite shocking how many of, the, how much of the litter
0: was wipes. But how do they get there? Does our sewage get pumped out into the Thames? I don't. This is, is a really. Cu- I think
1: it's overflow. Is how it gets there. Or maybe a bird's picked it up from
0: somewhere and dropped it. <laughs> I was having to go wild swimming in the Thames. I'm now kind of reconsidering. Yeah,
1: and a lot of people beforehand were like, do not fall in the water. It's quite contaminated. So I don't know. Because wipes are, are they plastic based? Then? I think the majority of them are, yeah. I think there are a few that have come out lately that say they're 100% plastic free. I still don't think they should be flushed because I don't know if our systems are particularly built to deal with them um, with flushable or uh, wipes. Yeah, I think I think ma- the majority of them
0: are made from plastic. So what's the alternative because as you know better Mm. than anyone like wipes are essential the sort of whole I mean is cotton wool and water just use a sleeve no I'm joking (laughs) (laughs) is cotton wool any better cotton wool and water. I mean that's much more of a faff when you're out and about you know you're changing that nappy kind of in the slightly dodgy loo in some cafe no lights no (laughs) services to put anything and you're like "Ah, I need some wipes yeah I think a cotton cotton wool they're so small as well aren't they the tiny
1: tiny oh I use the pads actually yeah Yeah. I felt
0: that they were more surface area it was sort of yeah
1: are they washable as well or do you have to throw no no chuck those away yeah
0: you know it's perhaps slightly better than than
1: it being made of plastic but cotton is one of those dirtiest crops in the world as we keep reading about unless it's organic so conventional cotton is pretty bad but at the same time i don't want to make anyone feel like oh no you know i thought i was doing this one really good thing and and now i'm a terrible person i think it's the being conscious of these things and kind of going okay well maybe next time i could try a reusable wipe and th- I think that's actually one of the areas that it's actually quite an easy swap just to have a few reusable
0: cloth wipes on so you. So how does the, did that work? When you're out and about yeah. and you did a sort of nappy change in yeah. sort of Strada in God knows where, you yeah. know, we we're on a plane. <laughs> we've done it on a motorway station. Yeah, as well, exactly. Yeah. So how does that work with the reusable wipes? Just, <laughs>
1: just how do them you wet the water. Them? Oh, I suppose you've got yeah, a tap. Almost, but what if you I don't have mean, a
0: tap? I normally have a bottle of water on me. Yeah. Oh, um, I suppose you could have a little spray, couldn't you? Yeah, you could have That'd a little quite spray. Good. Well,
1: yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I think the, ni- the weirdly nice thing is trying to figure out certain situations, which I quite enjoy, I think, a bit of problem solving. But I have to say, every time I've changed a nappy, they've all of the rooms have had a, a sink in.
0: Um, yeah, And then you just put them into the bag with the sort of soiled nappy and you just chuck yeah, it all in the wash. Yeah. Do you wash dirty nappies with your child's clothes and with your clothes?
1: No, I do it separately. So we always do a separate nappy wash and it's a... rinse first so like a 20 minute rinse because you want the water to be separate from the actual main wash so the rinse kind of gets rid of Mm -hmm. most of the gubbins and then you do a proper hot wash around sort of 60 degrees and it has to be a long wash as well so about two to three hours and then you dry them
0: <laughs> because there is an argument that by the time you've washed the you know you've pre-washed yeah. them you've washed them on heat and then if you stuck them in the tumble dryer yeah. that it's just as bad in terms of the overall usage y-
1: yeah i think well let me start by saying that there was a report done i think by the environmental agency environmental agents something like that <laughs> and uh, they looked at the comparison between disposables and reusables and interestingly for the disposables they measured the life cycle from manufacture up to the point of of sale so nothing to do with their usage and yet with reusables they had data from point of manufacture all the way through to them being sort of with the with the consumer being washed and how you know how often they were used and stuff and even then they were 40% less impactful on the environment so they were 40 percent less destructive and that's including the washing of them and everything so that i found really interesting i also think simple things if you can afford to and we can we switch to a green energy supplier so i feel that when we are using our (laughs) electricals around the home that i'm actually not sort of contributing towards the fossil fuel industry and even really simple things like using dryer balls which are made from wool, they're compostable. What they, are dry balls? they're like... Oh, dryer balls. Dry, yeah, so if you are using a dryer, put three of those in. They're like tennis ball size. And because they help circulate the air or create more air in there, it can reduce the drying time by about
0: 30%. Great. And you yeah. said if you can afford them, do you say changing to a green supplier, are they more expensive than the conventional suppliers? I haven't done suppliers? the
1: direct comparison yeah. myself, but I think generally at this moment mm-hmm. in time they perhaps are more expensive although i've seen it advertised that some some say that they're just as cost effective mm-hmm. so i think it's one of those things i would hate to say you know everyone switched to a green energy supplier and
0: then some people find that it's really but then if everyone did affordable. then they'd get their prices down yeah it's exactly like the more electric yeah. cars that is, the more yeah. the demand for electric cars increases the cheaper they'll be because exactly. they're cheaper to produce in, in volume
1: yeah so i think often people think oh it's just little old me what you know what impact will i have but actually if we all just started to make a few little tweaks and changes like that it can have a massive
0: impact so the other, I mean, your 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 baby is presumably uh, eating solids. Adorable. And, <laughs> yes, adorable. And also probably smearing a lot of food around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember feeling that those food pouches were a bit of a lifesaver. I'd kind of make my own food, but out on the go, having those food pouches was brilliant. But I also know that those food pouches aren't necessarily brilliant for the environment. How are you navigating that?
1: We haven't used any so far. I'm just sort of going with the flow. So far I'm eating out, I'll order a bit of extra avocado for him to have or i'll bring a little something with me we're doing a lot of like finger foods and stuff at the moment so yes we're avoiding packaging in a sense that we're not doing pouches so much but i will confess there's definitely more food waste (laughs) at home and i'm just telling myself you know what it's just a phase he's just enjoying the experience of squishing things and dropping things on the floor and i'm sure there's probably a cookbook waiting to be written out there of somebody who can come up with (laughs) what to do with baby leftovers but yeah it's it's a whole new world i haven't had to do the pouches but there are brands out there and i feel like one of them's called little freddies and i'm sure there's another one that have a take-back scheme they so do, yeah. you can drop off your used pouches and they will make sure that they get recycled because recycling can be a bit of an iffy thing it's like you know how much of our stuff actually gets recycled and you know tv shows have shown us when it heads over to the other side of the world that actually it's just left in some sort of landfill site or you know polluting local waterways so it's nice to know that a company are actually taking responsibility and going no we are definitely recycling these. It's not perfect but it's definitely, you know, a step in the right direction.
0: And I suppose even if you are dependent on those food pouches, think is there a way that I can reduce my consumption of yeah, them? Exactly. So rather than getting lazy, I will just try not to use them. I'll put them right at the back of the cupboard yeah. and try and like you said just order an avocado which is actually really easy to yeah, mush Yeah,
1: exactly. You can smush that up with a fork and, you know, spoon feed it to them if you want or let them play around with a few slices of avocado. It doesn't have to be difficult and i always try and think you know a few generations ago what 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 were our parents doing without pouches um perhaps their lives weren't as busier as weren't as busy as ours are now Um, but like you said i think if you have it as an option that isn't your your immediate go-to and interestingly i was at a a baby nutrition talk the other day and one of the panelists said uh, you know if you really think about it some of those pouches have been on the shelf Longer than you've had your baby. They're older than your baby. And that really just made me think, I was like, oh my goodness, yeah, that's so interesting. So I don't know how great the nutritional content of them is, but I think they're fantastic. If you are absolutely stuck and you need to grab something, you could choose one of the brands that actually takes responsibility for their packaging.
0: Well, and also before the pouches came about, you know, the alternative was the jars, which, yeah. I mean, probably been around longer than the mother had been alive. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I tasted them all and the jars were revolting. Did you try, try them recently? I've tried them when my children were little. Oh, and really? actually, the interesting thing I found was that the, the ones that were vegetable were delicious and the ones that were, had any kind of meat in were just revolting. Oh, yeah. And my children actually refused to eat the meat ones. Yeah. Any of the kind of... <laughs> I, know, so I just had to give them cheese for their protein. <laughs> How about all the stuff i think this is one of the biggest contributors to the kind of guilt around consumption when you're a parent because i mean we have a whole class dedicated on the Bob class to like all the stuff you need and one of the biggest messages i give is just try not to buy too much of it because i do think we all overbuy but i mean my house is brimming with stuff you know presents for birthdays and christmas and going home presents and stuff they want and toys and especially in the baby stage you know what they're interested in when they're three months is different to what they want when they're six months old and you know you look at these toys these great big plastic fantastic kind of shiny jingly things that they love (laughs) you know they're enormous it's a huge amount of plastic it's a big thing to be delivered how can people make that a little bit better look for second hand
1: i think in the in the first place if you've got your heart set on one of those things then see if it's out there for second you know on the second hand market and i think less is more in general i think you know we do have a tendency to get a little bit over enthusiastic (laughs) when it comes to buying things for our kids because we just want to you know stimulate them keep them happy um so i think you know being considered about what you're actually bringing into the home and, and what your child will want to play with. And I think it's so easy to be led by some marketing messages of like, this will help with your child's
0: brain development and that's going to help with their motor skills. Yeah. And, Do you want your child to have a high IQ? Then you must buy, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this whole thing of baby Einstein. Like your child's <laughs> really going to turn into Einstein if you get the kind of press flashy toy Yeah, thing. exactly. They've, they've thought of so many ways to sort
1: of appeal to mum guilt. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> and you just think, if only I'd bought them that toy, they would be a genius um so I think it's you know checking yourself on those things and going okay why am I actually buying this mm-hmm. does my child genuinely want it or am I sort of pushing it on them a little bit and you know hoping that they'll become a genius um or hoping that they'll shut up for a bit it's <laughs> that too see I've got all this to come at the moment I'm still in that sort of like heart-shaped eyes oh, he's so adorable. I love him. um but you know I would also like to highlight that in the very early days when we'd we'd just had our little boy i really struggled with feeding you know managed to push through and, and continue breastfeeding but you know the amount of things that i ordered online to try and help me <laughs> feed in panic mode you know and i was just like there with this baby going i need to feed him what can i buy so you know all sorts of random gadgets and gizmos turned up at the door so we definitely the magical
0: solution yeah, yeah. we definitely
1: ha- have you know moments i think especially as parents you just think you know i just for convenience need to get something and it's i definitely so easy we
0: don't even need to go to the shops anymore exactly. you just press a button i know. don't even put your credit card details uh, yeah,
1: there they're in my pants nothing else just ordering these things going please help me um and in the end the best money was spent on a lactation consultant so that's what <laughs> i should have done in the first place but you know i would like to highlight that i'm not perfect in any way shape or form and we definitely have these moments but it's okay to sort of look back on on that moment and go you know what that's fine that's the headspace I was in then moving forward you know
0: doing what I can and I suppose also telling your friends and family that like not to buy you too much stuff yeah exactly Because people feel every time they see a baby they should bring a present and often yeah. it's a totally pointless present like I don't know booties I mean a child can't walk so what's the point in buying them any footwear <laughs> that's so true that's but ridiculous. you know so often there's that sort of present you think oh that's such a lovely sentiment yeah. but that's something I will try and recycle that to someone yeah. else who's not going to use it. Yeah, pop it
1: on eBay. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I hope that someone else buys it. I know. I think it is good to send a little email around or have a chat with friends and family members and say, you know, look, we're just really conscious about the things that we bring into our home. We don't want it filled with, with, you know, toys and more toys and then more toys that won't get played with. So you could ask them to maybe i don't know buy an experience or, or cash cash <laughs> yes
0: just cash you know cold hard money yeah <laughs> it's, so God, it's such an expensive time yeah. actually uh, to or have a like voucher? an amazon voucher to be like yeah. or, or or a lactation consultant i mean yeah. that's a really generous present but <laughs> it pays in the end though yes, i think it yeah. does
1: so yeah and you know have conversations about what you would actually like if there's something you genuinely need then tell your friends and family that you know Maybe they could contribute towards a bigger item that would be really genuinely useful instead of it being lots of little knickknacks that you won't use.
0: I remember when my children were little going to, you know, those sort of playgroups. I don't know if you've gone to them yet, but they're, you know, (laughs) into church halls where, you know, it's two pounds to go in, they're sort of community playgroups. And that was brilliant because they could get their fix of their sort of plastic fantastic. And it was all there. And there was also lots of interaction with other children, early stages, interaction with other people. And that was great. And it meant that, you know, we'd probably end up going most days, but they had that fix. And then we could have less of that stuff you yeah. know, I remember they both lusted after this enormous car. It was about that high. It was about, you know, three foot off the ground and probably about four foot high. They loved it. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I should buy one. They love it so much. But actually I didn't in the end, because I mean this is like a quarter the size of a real car. Yeah. And I'm so glad I didn't because they had their fix. And yeah. of course, at the moment I bought it for them, it was like the boring old toy that they yes, can't be bothered so to play in the with corner, anymore. corner, you'd have to go, you know, why did I buy that? Because <laughs> they go out of these things. I know yeah. there are also toy libraries, aren't there? are toy sort of hiring out services, yeah, aren't there? There are. There's one I was looking at recently
1: called Whirly, and you can sort of sign up to a subscription service. So once you're done with the toy, you send it back to them and they reimburse you with credits, and then you choose something more age appropriate you know or, or different that your child might like so i think that's a really good idea yeah toy toy libraries i think that's a, a similar idea i don't haven't
0: yeah, I think there's something called much. the Toy Box Club or there's definitely, but that's what you search for is toy yeah. libraries or rent, toy rental schemes. To- exactly, exactly, And you'll find something local to you, yeah. which is great because it means that, yeah.
1: Yeah, secondhand as well like if you can, I mean there's some fantastic Farah kids charity shops, you, you sort of walk into them and they're like an emporium. <laughs> some
0: and, of them. and for clothes as well, yeah. they're great because again, yeah. kids' clothes, they don't get worn out in the same way that adults' yeah. clothes do no. because they're only in them for sometimes a month. I
1: know, especially, yeah, especially in the early years, I th- early years, early months even they just sort of have these, these growth spurts <laughs> and you're like hang on a second why is this like crop top now on you
0: <laughs> and um, actually so yeah. that sort of second hand is so important yeah we're really lucky at my kids school there's a brilliant second hand and the kids have only oh. ever had second hand uniform Fantastic. which is just it makes so much of a difference I mean yeah. I always feel rather sorry for Ivy Kiara my sister's youngest daughter who has had second hand everything she even gets Iona's second hand pants <laughs> but that's Good fun, pants. Yeah. They haven't been born for a year.
1: Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> it won't bother her at this age, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be something that she can look back on and, and criticize her parents on when she's a yeah, moody teenager. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and, but I also think, you know, being quite you know progressive about the kind of toys your child is playing with I yeah. mean it doesn't have to be for their age range I was with my goddaughter the other day who's seven months old and I was sitting with her in her playpen and she had Jenga which actually on the packet says you know four years plus yeah. because of course this seven month old was not playing Jenga but we had so much fun like <laughs> yeah. putting them up like dominoes like and so it could be that you'd walk into the fire shop and there's nothing in that sort of age range yeah. but you think okay what would she like to play with and as long as you use your common sense and yeah. you realise that imagination as well yes exactly yeah. then actually there's often a lot more more available to you than just what is specifically in that exactly exactly i think
1: you know creative play is also a really
0: you know what can you do with this wooden spoon
1: (laughs) let's let's see you know it doesn't have to be so toy specific and i read a really interesting book called simplicity parenting when back when i was pregnant i just wanted to geek out on certain things and the author was saying how you know too many toys actually creates this sort of tension, stress in kids and, and they don't quite know where to start and they don't ever fully focus on just one toy. It's this constant feeling like they have to play with that over there and no one will know. I've got to go play with that one over there. So they found that actually by minimising the amount of toys and actually sort of looking at what did their child play with, okay, it was just this handful, let's just leave those out and pack the others away, and we can swap them out as and when they ask for them. And they found that their children were a lot calmer
0: as a result and played more more nicely together as well. Uh, I mean, when I look back on my childhood, the best games we played were all the imagination games, you know, pretending we were fleeing from a wicked stepmother. This was like a recurring theme. (laughs) I remember once, you know, playing with the the fallen leaves in the park and making houses. It's not the toys I remember but at all and we know that actually that imaginary play is so important for a child's development and if they've got this sort of this is how you play the toy kind of toy then there's no room for you know if you give them my my kids have had like the most fun with just a cardboard box Yes, and you can (laughs) you might be able to start them off because they might start looking at the box and go well what you can go oh maybe it's your house maybe it's a a special magic house what colour should we make it and then you can colour it in or you can paint it and then you can work out a story what's happening in the box is it like the magic faraway tree and it it starts flying so you could fly it to different lands and you know you're giving them those little cues this is how exciting a cardboard box is and teaching them how to use that rather than saying oh let's just recycle it
1: yeah exactly and that's a really great point I think use your imagination see show them how to be creative and lead by example but yeah I've got such fond memories of playing with you know, cardboard boxes, building dens. I think was a favorite pastime of mine. You know, taking Obstable all the courses, yeah, taking the cushions off your sofa. It's, I mean, my parents probably found it really annoying, but <laughs> you know, finding what you could do with like towels and blankets and and creating a, a cozy den was just one of my favorite things.
0: And I suppose also not jumping to that purchase. Yeah. My daughter's just started playing the drums, and she's like, <gasps> her her teacher came, cool. uh, was like, she needs a drum kit, and I was like, a, she- a drum kit? <laughs> she she needs a drum kit? And he was like, yeah, you need to buy a drum kit. And I was like, I want to spend. 300 quid on something she's probably going to give up next term anyway so he said well she needs to practice on something so you know what we did we got pots and pans (gasps) and I have some chopsticks so that's what she was doing and she then I did eventually buy her drum pit but only because she she showed that you know the tenacity and the dedication and the desire to learn and I knew we got beyond that sort of initial excitement period but because she'd played on her her pots and pans we thought right we can go to the next stage but I think so easy for a teacher to be like oh just buy it yeah because they don't necessarily have that guilt they also don't have to buy it themselves it's not their money it's very easy to spend someone else's money and I think so often we are just told that oh just buy it and we take it for granted
1: do you I mean, have you have you found that with schools, you know, costume days or whatever it is? Do you feel like you have to sort of suddenly order a costume? Do you do, know what? Do you, do I think there's a real creative?
0: backlash now, yeah. and it's really only happening this year where people think just going to Amazon is a bit is a bit rubbish, and yeah. actually people really appreciate the homemade costumes, yeah. which which can be really really fun to do, <laughs> and not everyone does. But I think increasingly people feel, do you know what? I'm not prepared to do that. It's not that I can't necessarily afford it. Is I just don't want to do it yeah. because
1: it is a waste. Like you're going to wear it once maybe and, yeah. and then what? Yeah. The, the child won't fit into it. And you're basically year.
0: telling your child that this disposable culture is okay. Yeah. And that's possibly one of the most important things we can do as a parent is to bring them up to understand the fragility of this world and yeah. understand that every time we're buying something and chucking something away and not thinking about whether or not we need it, you know, we're kind of kicking our planet in the guts. Yeah. And and that's probably the most important thing that we can do. And and ultimately, especially if it's part of education, that's a sentiment that should be echoed by yeah, the school. Absolutely. And I think children
1: are so sort of inspired to do something like they really want to I think children in general always want to contribute towards the family you know they seem to thrive in, in helping out but when they learn <clears throat> that they can actually do something to help save the environment they get so enthusiastic about it and it was lovely to see on a recent trip down to Cornwall there was we went to this little um, market and they had this stall with lovely like soaps on and it was like signs saying plastic free save the ocean and it was this little boy who'd encouraged his mother to start making these soaps <laughs> turns out she it was natural actually very good at that sort of thing I mean (laughs) I wouldn't have the skills to do it but you know he'd he'd had a class at school that talked about the oceans and plastic and it really resonated with him and he was like mum you know can we do something so um they now run this stall together and and he's got this whole sort of he he loves telling the story and he's you know it's really really inspiring and I think children are so sort of proactive in that way
0: Well, You know, the reason he loved it so much is because he played a part. It's so easy as a child to feel totally insignificant. You're a child and I can't make a difference. And especially when it comes to the planet and you're really worried about it. You're like, the adults are screwing this up for us. And that's a horrible, horrible thought to have. Whereas if you can empower them and say, you can make a difference, it might be little. But if everyone on the whole planet makes a little difference, that turns into a massive difference. And I do think, you know, making them feel empowered, but also, you know, back to the whole, you know, it's so much more rewarding making your own games, making. Your yes. own presents, making your own costumes. Last year on World Book Day, it was Roald Dahl theme, and so I made. Uh, well, Iona and I made a golden ticket outfit, and we literally oh, got brilliant. old, you know, cardboard <laughs> box that I sort of stuck over her, and we sprayed it gold, which was such fun. And then I got some face paint, and I painted her gold, and it was such a rewarding experience. Yeah. And she was so excited <laughs> and so proud. If we just opened up the Amazon parcel, because I could have got the golden ticket um, costume on Amazon too. Is there too. actually a, a proper? Uh, oh God, uh, <laughs> there's everything. There's everything Why does on that Amazon. it it wouldn't have been half as exciting or rewarding so Mm. you're kind of maxing out it's like a win-win situation isn't it yeah it's
1: about enjoying the process I think we're always in such a hurry to get to the end point and whatever the quote is enjoy you know enjoy the journey it's not just about
0: that's not the quote.
1: <laughs> I'm not saying it as beautifully as whatever the quote is, but basically, enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey, and it's not always about the destination.
0: And listen, I'm lucky; I've got the time to do yeah, it with yeah. them. And I agree that not every parent has that. But maybe schools need to be a bit more mindful and say, yeah. uh, "Let's have fewer days yeah. where you dress up and you've got to come as a sort of I don't know Greek Greek mythical character tomorrow." Yeah. But <laughs> say, uh, you know, we really will would appreciate the kind of homemade stuff yeah. and, and give them a bit of warning.
1: Yeah, and I think again, if if you know everybody was given that brief of make your own costume then no one would feel left out or you know there's no hierarchy of who's got the the spangly one from you know an online order and who's had to make theirs at home it sort of makes it a bit more more even I guess.
0: I mean we're both coming at this and I'm very aware that you know I'm lucky to have enough money to not have to worry about the household shop and not to have to constantly look through, find the cheapest deal and worry about whether we can actually buy enough food. Do you feel that being environmentally conscious and actually making an impact is the preserve of the wealthy. Because I do I am aware I mean you mentioned mm. seven hundred pounds for those napkins yeah. which totally. I did choose the me. super nice yeah. ones though. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but still even if it's yeah. three hundred quid and you might say, well yeah, over two years you do make a saving but a lot of people don't have that money up front. It's the upfront cost, isn't it? And I think that's often what puts people off buying, you
1: know, investing in like a reusable water bottle or something like that a reusable over time it will save you money um but it's often when you're living sort of hand to mouth you don't really have that big picture um mindset the whole time you're literally kind of going what can i afford right now right here right now and what's going to get me through um so i do think um yes it is generally more expensive um and also you have more of a choice if you if you can afford things you're actually choosing this way whereas a lot of people are doing things like buying secondhand making their own you know repairing things not because they want to necessarily but because they have to it's the, the cheapest option for them that's available to them um but i do think that people who can afford it and there are so many people that i personally know who you know are living very comfortably and barely recycle you know they hardly do anything and it's those people i think well actually if if more of us who can do actually you know make an effort um that suits our lifestyle and you know isn't a huge compromise but you know we can still do a little bit uh, that will have a a knock-on effect and it will lower the like you said with the electric cars and stuff it will lower the cost of, of certain things i have to say that i with things like the nappies there are a lot of council schemes that will give you a discount or let you trial them um because beforehand. it's in their interest isn't it <clears throat> yeah it really is in their interest they do, i mean i think it costs them landfill costs every time <laughs> they take something there so there is a huge um push for people to try reusables if they want to um and you do get discounts for certain things so yeah i, I do agree it's definitely something that's at the moment and it's current and this you know current day that we're on it it's definitely a bit more expensive.
0: But it can also save you money.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think if you can afford a reusable
0: generally overall you are gonna save a lot more money. But we're like I think also think as a generation we're much worse at mending things.
1: Yeah, and ex- exactly. We're so in that disposable sort of I'll just buy a new one. Or
0: I need a new one. Yes. Because you know, there's a hole in my jumper. Well, it's so easy to mend a hole in a yeah. jumper. Yeah. It might not look perfect, but it totally looks acceptable. And then genuinely is one of the easiest things to do. But yeah. I'm amazed at how many people don't even know how to thread a needle. I
1: know and but even if you can't, if you've got a maybe a friend who can or, or a relative or even Learn.
0: Yeah, because you can learn it on YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) And, 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 you know, a simple sew it kit costs nothing. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing, again, to impress on our children that just because it's got a hole in or, you know, a scratch on, that doesn't mean it's ruined. No. Actually, it sort of makes it even more lovely.
1: Yeah, it makes it more interesting. Like, it's it's got a story to tell. You know, my husband had his jacket repaired recently and um, it's like a red patagonia jacket but he'd torn a hole in the in the sleeve and uh, down at the the waistline bit um we had it repaired but he put blue on his patches to make them obvious that they'd been repaired and it, honestly we weren't expecting you know we didn't know what it would look like when it came back but it, it looks fantastic and he gets so many comments on it and it's lovely that he's able to go oh yeah I got it repaired Mm. it's a sort of sharing that showing that off instead of the fact that oh I like your jacket where's it from when it's actually it's been repaired and it looks awesome
0: and actually even if you can't repair something yourself you know most dry cleaners have a repair service and it will often cost like 10 quid to repair a jacket well that's a lot cheaper even if it's 20 quid it's cheaper than a new jacket exactly and you're keeping it out of landfill and, and loved for longer and also it's not got to be delivered to you and then all the plastic and the packaging that, yeah. that come along with it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Once you start thinking about waste, you suddenly sort of realise that it's it's attached to everything and everywhere.
0: But My final question is something that is really difficult to ask, but <clears throat> is ultimately the worst thing we're doing for our planet: having children. You
1: know, that's a question that I think crops up a lot at the moment. And I mean, I, when I had. Our baby, or before we had our baby, I was like, Do I definitely want children? I was like, Yes, I, I do. I definitely want at least, you know, one. <laughs> In my current mindset, I'm like, Just one. One's enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, no more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, you know, I think it's really important to think about how we raise our children. Um, there's often arguments about, you know, how, you know, can we feed a growing population, etc. But then you hear other things like, you know, when well, we waste a third of our food and a lot of it is to do with system errors. It's not necessarily the amount of people, but it's, you know, the fact that food is getting wasted traveling from one country to another. And and we're actually producing too much. So, you know, when it comes to things like that, I think it's good to delve into the actual facts and see what see what is being said. But I do think if you can try and raise conscious children who are respectful of things and not just you know used to throwing things away all the time or or not putting any care into looking after their things um then it doesn't
0: have to be a really terrible thing for the planet and I suppose one child or two child I mean I just know someone who's passionate about the planet and about saving the planet but she's got five kids yeah you just sort of almost think but isn't that the worst thing you know five is a lot
1: yeah I mean my goodness <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm only saying that because I found pregnancy
1: <laughs> quite a chore and the fact that she's been pregnant five times I'm like oh my wow 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 um you know I don't know anything about this woman or how she lives her life but I it depends how I think very much about how you're raising um your children.
0: Mm, I suppose, you know, and the next generation of people that care about our planet and yeah. care about finding solutions and yeah. about questioning the status quo and preserving what we have is going to be incredibly powerful. Yeah. So I suppose you're right if we're educating children yeah. to understand the fragility and the waste and the fact that they they can make a big impact. Definitely.
1: And I think I read this really interesting thing in I think it's Project Drawdown. Have you heard of it? It's no. a it's a Uh, project that they've got a book out as well and it's all about the the most effective solutions to uh, to fighting climate change Um, and they've taken all of the data and they've analyzed everything and one of the really top ones was educating women um, especially in developing countries and they found that that actually as a result um, meant that there were fewer fewer of them having so many children. So they each, you know, have
0: fewer children. Would we be having the conversations, certainly in terms of the top of government now, if it wasn't for Greta Thunberg, who's 14?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You talk about one person, you know, making, one small person making a big impact. And, you know, we think, what can I do? And she's proven.
0: I'm not saying she's the only person doing all the good and shouting about it but she definitely was a catalyst and I'm sure we still would be having conversations I'm not sure if we'd be having quite as many conversations because she's captured you know, the newspaper's attention yeah. for sure. Kate, thank you so much for coming it's to pleasure. talk to me today. I feel really positive and inspired. Oh, I think so often people, <laughs> I was with a friend of mine the other day and, and she said, oh, I feel it's all too late. And I said, well, that's totally pointless sentiment yeah. because it means you're not going to do anything. It's never too late, exactly. you know, because if that's just a poor excuse for you continuing to live your life just as you always lived it, then, you know, you're one of the bad ones. And she's <laughs> like, okay, okay. You're still friends? <laughs> but I do think that positivity is still really, really important important yeah i
1: agree i think there's, there's a lot of doom and gloom messaging out there and i just think i don't think that appeals to people very much i think people feel empowered when they're told that they can have an impact no matter how small um and i know i definitely have kept doing it because it's something i'm passionate about and it makes me feel good and i'm not not doing any of it out of
0: guilt I know and I think you know that that message that every little bit counts is really important because there are going to be listeners out there who are like I just can't do the reusable nappies I'm yeah. gonna stick with our disposables but even if by listening to this conversation they, they use one less a day yeah. well that ends up a lot of nappies over the co- the exactly. course of, of two years that you know their children are using them so I think the key is is any little thing that you're doing and that's also another really important message to pass on to your children any yeah. little thing you know one less bit of plastic a week yeah. one less straw that you use yeah. that's making a big difference as
1: well as teaching them to say no to strangers teach them to say no to strange bits of plastic that come their way
0: (laughs) I love that in your book what did you say um uh Every disposable we refuse lessens the demand for it to be replaced. It makes yeah. such sense, yeah. you know. So often, you know, someone hands you something, and you just take it out of politeness. Yes, I think especially
1: in the UK, we're so polite, and you really feel like you're going to offend someone if you say no thanks to that freebie that they sort of that you didn't ask for. So, um, you know, find a way that you feel comfortable saying no. It doesn't have to be no, I don't want that. in outrage. You can just say no, I'm good, thanks. You know, or not today, or you know, it doesn't have to be completely rude response (laughs) i know i've
0: started um very politely approaching people who are sitting in their cars with their engines running and just tapping on the window and saying i'm really sorry but would you mind uh, me asking you to turn your engine off even if it's just for two minutes often they're like i'm just here for five minutes i'm like but that makes a big difference and i think if you and my husband's always like, Marina, be careful. That's super be brave careful. of you, by the way. <laughs> but if I've, I've got to say, every single time, because mm. I've been incredibly polite and quite smiley and not sort of, you idiot, why yeah. have you got your engine running? You know, everyone's been really, really... And they've said, yep, absolutely, you've got a point. And, and sometimes just that conversation will make them think about it. That's brilliant. What do you do? You literally tap on the window. I tap on the window with a big smile. So yeah. it's not like I've come confronting them. Mm. Um, and they're probably asking me if, if I've, they've seen my lost dog or something. Yeah. They're thinking I'm going <laughs> to yeah. ask if... They, And I go, would you mind if if I asked you to turn your engine off? You know, so I'm not even asking them. I just, that very English thing. Would would you mind? (laughs) (laughs) But actually it's been really positive so far. Watch this space. Hopefully I don't get lynched this year. (laughs) But I do feel that makes a difference because you're just provoking people to think about, do you really need to have your engine running? Or could you just put a coat on? If they're outside my house, I'll say, I'm happy to make you a cup of tea if you're cold and waiting here. Um, But please don't run your engine.
1: That's a really, really good idea. (laughs) Okay. You should do
0: it too. Really polite, really smiley. Ooh, and do happy. I feel brave enough? <laughs> oh, I might give it a go. Oh, Kate, thank you so much. Bye. Um, Bye. Kate's book is fantastic it's called Six Weeks to Zero Waste and I absolutely love it it's lots of different suggestions wow. for um, little changes that you can make will actually make a big big difference and it's not about doing everything it's not a manual no. where you have to follow every little step of it it is lots of little things that you can choose to ignore or choose to embrace exactly. and it's really really manageable so nice. thank you I love it um, thank you. I've really enjoyed reading it it doesn't have to be done in six weeks I'd like to carry
1: it i just broken time time it down frame. Yeah. <laughs> whether it's six weeks Six weeks, six months, six years, you know, go at your own pace. But I just wanted to showcase the different options available to people and and sort of give a guide on, on how to
0: make a start. Perfect. Thank you, Kate. Thanks. And thank you all for downloading another episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. It does actually make a huge difference in terms of uh, letting other people know what we're doing and what we're talking about. So please do that if you have a moment. Otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Marina.Fogel. But in the meantime, from Kate and me, thanks for listening and goodbye.